After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. And I quote, I'll be there in a minute. Give me a second. <laughs> Time is relative, folks. Time is relative. Yes. So, hey, cheers to everybody in the chat. They're a division rival. I don't care how many get, how many wins they get. Screw them. That wasn't the take I was expecting to hear. I want to gush over watching live Chris Tanev. I think that we completely underestimate the skill it takes to play defense. One highlight or several highlights does not a Calder trophy make. I'm, I'm, I'm stepping in here. I'm going to be the crotchety old man here. They need to learn patience. They need to understand the, the tension, everything, and the, and the drama. How dare! Look at this. How is McDavid not getting a penalty? You got. You guys need to calm down with this, okay? <laughs> you guys need to calm down with this. I mean, should we be calm about a two and zero start when we outscore the uh, the Oilers twelve to four? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, uh, the the fans in the rink on Wednesday certainly were excited about that one. <laughs> uh, it's, it's great, and welcome to the Shifts and Pucks podcast. Uh, it is a great Monday mo- Monday evening, and uh, we're. Yeah, after two two Canucks wins to start the season. And, yeah, we got lots to talk about. Yeah. How are you doing, Tyler? Great. Thank you very much. Nice to be back with uh, both you this time and Chris. Uh, uh, and, and Chris um, on the road, as he often is. Uh, that's two of us in northern BC representing tonight. So <laughs> got to acknowledge that right off the bat. Chris is in Prince George on the home of Terrace, of course. But uh, back from a trip to Vancouver last week and uh, was I uh, did have the privilege of uh, being in the building for the home opener for the Canucks, and uh, we were signaling touchdown after the seventh goal. <laughs> um, you know, it's a festive time for Canuck fans, and hopefully the team can keep it rolling here on this road trip. And That's I'm right, happy that a consecutive score of 7-1 while a Schiffs and Pucker was in the arena. Because my last <laughs> game was a 7-1 win over the Flames. Yeah. yeah. Or I suppose it was 8-1, but still. Lopsided wins is what I'm trying to get. At. <laughs> That's right. And Chris, you just got back from a trip uh, out, out visiting uh, myself here in Calgary. Yeah, I am all over the place. I yeah, I flew out to Calgary for the weekend to uh, kind of have a uh, late birthday celebration and to see friends that I hadn't seen since I made the move out to BC. So uh, yeah. Enjoyed my time out there, but as uh, Tyler mentioned, I made the drive from Kelowna up to PG today, and then I'm going even four hours further north tomorrow to do some work. Well, good luck there, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Best you get that done before winter rolls in, which could be soon. <laughs> well, sometimes they send me up there in the wintertime, too. Yeah. All part of the job. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it now. Uh, as we said, two, two wins to start the season. Something that I don't think anyone would have realistically predicted. Yeah. Especially, especially after, especially with a convincing eight-one win to start the season off against the the Oilers, who are supposed to be a Stanley Cup contender. <laughs> well, John can vouch. On Saturday, I was like, you know what? After that lopsided win, I'm ready for an L today because they're at home in front of their own fans for their own home opener. So they're going to be coming out hair on fire and uh i mean leon got a goal in the first minute but after that i'd say it was pretty uh evenly fought well outside of maybe the shots by the end of the game but we'll yeah get into- yeah but that's classic canucks right just get out shot like crazy and get some goaltending in this case from casey DeSmith smith on saturday uh demko for most of the night on wednesday just was suddenly gone and <laughs> when, you're the, when you're in the building there's no you know like TV broadcast to explain things for you. I mean, it's, I'm not like the old school. And even in the TV broadcast, there was basically nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Other yeah, than you saying, hey, Tyler, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> He's just gone. Maybe we missed something and like, like yeah. he tweaked something. I was like, oh, no, no, not not No, not now. Not getting one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, the, the only the only thing that was truly worse for wear after that was uh, Thatcher Demko's helmet. Yeah, I think so. he's going to need to hose that thing. <laughs> that or maybe replace those foam pads for sure. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he, did, he had his flu game, like yes. uh, Michael Jordan had his flu game back in the day, and then Smith strong on Saturday. Could we we had such shit goaltending for last year for most part like Demko was not good to start the season he was injured and then you the Canucks had the Martin uh Delia uh, Colin Colin Delia tandem for the longest time and then with a couple starts from Arthur Silovs just wasn't good enough but if we can if the Canucks are getting if they can get goaltending like that for this season that will go a long fucking way to turning this team around. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we, we talked about it the last time you and I were on together, uh, Sean. Uh, um, Casey DeSmith, uh, you know, he's a very credible number two NHL level goalie. And, uh, you know, I think we've, we've seen that, obviously, to this point with the, with the Canucks. Again, very small sample size. But, yeah, isn't it isn't it a luxury to uh, be able to just turn to him when, when you've got uh, Demko, in this case, just not feeling well? Um, you know, is it, is it going to be like this the whole way? No, <laughs> the Canucks are not on an eighty-two and zero pace realistically. But um, mm-hmm. you know that that's been that's been awesome. And um, thankfully for them, on Wednesday they were up by so much that it didn't even matter if like Demko was feeling better; they could just leave DeSmith in and uh, apparently irritate Connor McDavid. Um, <laughs> 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 what a disastrous press conference that was afterwards! Like I, I like. I mean, I granted, he probably didn't know about the flu, but still, yeah, in retrospect, it looks bad. Like, I know he was asked about the first power play unit when it was 6-1. to one. Uh, 
but then he just kind of went into the whole thing about the Smith on his own. And, and, and no team ever does that. It's not, this isn't the case of like football where the backup quarterback goes in when it's lopsided or you can see the position player pitching in baseball. I mean, that never happens in hockey. So, the, so the, there had to have been a, a reason for DeSmith to be in the game other than, than the lead. And well, although his complaints were contradictory. Like, keep your complaints straight because you can't say, well, it's stupid that they brought in the backup goalie with 10 minutes to go, a.k.a. taking it easy on them. But then he's also like, it's 6-1, and they still are putting their power play one unit out there on the power play. Well, do you want us to actually give you full effort, or do you want us to take it easy? And there's been tons of fans that have made this point on Twitter slash X, whatever we're calling it now, that, uh, um, you know, <laughs> it's kind of hypocritical for them to be complaining about about that type of thing. I mean, the Oilers are, are, are in my mind, quite famous for, you know, padding the stats against weaker opponents over the last number of years and, um, you know, to, to achieve statistical milestones, in, in, in particular for Connor McDavid himself. So for that complaint to come out after the first game, I thought was really weak. And then when you look at the, the penalties, like that they're the <clears> – <throat> That the Oilers were taking, including the one that led to that, uh, that led to that the six what the 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 seven one goal on the power play. Yeah, it was a shitty penalty. It was a Leon being fucking pissy. Yeah, and taking <laughs> Jim a, <Nelson>, thank you. <laughs> take, taking taking a, a a very dirty slash on Ian Cole. Yeah, like it's just like yeah, if you're gonna take those type of penalties. Expect the other teams to put out their 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 top players and say "fuck you." Yeah. We're gonna go out and score. Like, come on. Yeah, I mean, this whole idea of of taking it easy on the opponent in pro sports and and, and whining over that. I mean, it's there's there's pros and cons to either side, but they are all in the business of winning and getting results, and the players themselves are in the business of pr- producing and putting up numbers for contract purposes. So all of the discussion around that kind of thing is just, I don't know. It's just a bit, it just seems like a waste of oxygen most of the time. And uh, to be honest, I also think that McDavid was definitely pulling, well, making another Michael Jordan reference in this podcast. We're just taking, just taking things personally just to drive him. Right. And I think that was something that Jordan has, especially how, how the, as time goes on, we're finding more and more of that. What what Michael Jordan did, he just he would take something, stretch the truth, to drive him. Which is there's nothing like inherently too wrong about that. No. Um, but yeah, it's just yeah. <laughs> it was, when, when you're, you're you're the news is trickling out about Demko puking his mask, and then you hear McDavid cry about him leaving the the, the ice. You're like, oh well. I mean, whatever floats your boat, Connor. At least you're showing some sort of semblance of a personality. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. It was just a very, it was just a very strange, and uh, you know, didn't. I, I, I mean, for if I were an Oilers fan, I wouldn't feel very reassured from that. Maybe the fans there were rallying around that, but I, I mean, that would have been misguided. Yeah, I'll tell you, the people. I, I was in a group of three watching the game with uh, a couple of friends, and and. Uh, uh, to either side of us were Oilers fans, and they were just quiet all night. 
Um, <laughs> I think, you know, I think there was disbelief on all ends of it. There was there was their shock at how flat they were, but it didn't seem like entirely that surprising to them. And then on the Canucks end of it, it's like I can't believe it's eight to one. <laughs> you know, this doesn't seem right. <laughs> like, you know, what's going to happen on Saturday? You know, there's lots of that discussion around us. Um, a lot of life in the building, though. Uh, stirring pregame ceremony. Awesome to be there to see. Uh, you know, everybody knows that it was Quinn Hughes was going to be the captain, and he was already playing preseason games with the C on his on his jersey. But uh, they did the whole symbolic passing of it uh, there with um, with uh, some of the past captains in attendance: uh, Kurtenbach, Linden, Henrik Sedin, and and uh, Stan Smeal. They did have messages as well from. Um, Marcus Naslin and uh, Roberto Luongo uh, on the uh, video board, the impressive new video board, by the way, uh, during one of the commercial breaks. So the, that they were recognized as well. Um, and the fans serenading the goalies. You know, I'm not really a big thing of, of the, the, ser the serenading the goalies thing because if something happens at the other end, right, like the hockey gods, if you believe in the hockey gods, I don't know about serenading the goalie, but as it turned out, both, Oilers goalies allowing four goals and both getting a hard time from the Rogers Arena faithful. It was uh, it was quite the night, and um, you know, after these last couple of years of getting off the terrible starts, it's uh, boy, you can't ask for much more than eight to one. And then following it up on the road against the same team, and it, it, it you know, like wow, like like you said, Sean at the beginning, I don't think anybody had that in their predictions. When when were you com like comfortable with that lead? Because I believe the Canucks started off with a three nothing leader yeah. to start yeah. to start the season last year against the Oilers. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. And you did bring that up, and uh, remember we had a good discussion about that. I think there was a pretty uh, there was a really bad missed high stick or something that occurred in that game, and then the Oilers took advantage of. It. There was there was a turning point in that game, um, but in this one, yeah, they changed goalies after four nothing and. Then the Oilers, I believe, got the next goal. It was that sharp angle yeah. power play shot from uh, uh, Dreisaitl. So I had a little bit of concern there. But once the Canucks got the next goal, I think that was it was pretty well sealed at 5-1. to one. Yeah, 5-1 to one for me was like, a, okay, I think we're going to win this in six months. Like, okay, we got this in the bag. But, yeah, 5-1 for me was that, that more so <sighs> yeah. sort of feeling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then in that game, we got the uh, that four goal performance from Brock Besser. Oh wow! And yeah. just, you can just see the you, you can honestly see the difference in just how he feels. It, it's it's so evident in just there's no longer this like weight of the world on his shoulders anymore, like he did last year. Yeah, you can see that in his body language. You can see that in his post game press conference. How relaxed he was. Um, and it was like the old Besser where it just that 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 shot was just working for him. It, it was just going in with ease. Like the goalie wasn't even much of a deal for him as long as he could just get it on target with the with a quick release and and that shot that we all know and love. It's uh, boy, was that a, a sight for sore eyes <laughs> seeing that. And it was kind of cool because I want to say like Canucks Army like two days before that game was put out like a highlight package of Besser in his rookie season, him scoring a bunch of goals. And then to basically see that again two nights later was, yeah, it was awesome to see. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, you hope the best for him. He's someone that's uh, gone through a lot over the past couple years and just would love to see him just like become a, like, become a, I think he's already a fan favorite, but become a favorite amongst like the hyper analytical again. 
because he's just because of his contract, because of well, essentially because of his contract, he's been, he's become a bit of a well, you need to trade him type player. And I would love to see him right that wrong and become become part of the core again. Because I think he's got the ability to do that. And that that Miller, Besser, Dejepi line is like I know there's there's still that question is is Dejepi the right um long term fit? The light right right fit for that line, but it's work it's working right now. And you, you, the best part is you get to see you get to hear people like myself try and say Phil Dijepi. <laughs> okay, so you're just you're you're just saying it fast now. <laughs> Before I like, say it fast enough, you can't hear how bad I how bad I mispronounce it. Yeah. <laughs> I maybe won't challenge you on air, but I want you to say it ten times fast at some point. <laughs> I'll practice and I'll do it on the podcast next week. All right. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, and then not like as good as Besser was, he still wasn't the best Canuck in these two games. And Petey got the second star of the week in the NHL in those two games with six points, with a goal and five assists. Yeah. And yeah, he's in the contract year, but he had such a great year last year. I think we're starting to see the the true killer PD coming out now. Well, and if, you know, based on the first couple games here, if you're seeing perhaps PD and Besser and maybe Quinn Hughes now, and he's got the C and they're all growing up a little bit more, the whole coming into their own thing. I mean, if that's actually going to happen this year, boy, it's going to be a fun year to be watching the Canucks. Not only that, but if PD's off to this hot of a start already, maybe the Canucks want to get that contract signed sooner than later. Otherwise, yes. it'll keep on going up, up, up. Oh, I think it's going to be big no matter what, honestly. For sure. It's already big. but And it's also like just figuring – like I think they're both figuring out what, what this what the future looks like. Mm-hmm. I think there was, there was a little bit of like the Canucks going, do we want to sign him long-term? And I think it's not necessarily they do they want to sign him long-term. It's – it's what is the direction of this team? Because if if there's if they're still middling, and we really hope not. But if they're still middling the way they have over the past couple seasons, like maybe it is time to like maybe they are thinking about tearing it down and 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 doing a proper full rebuild. But really, I just I don't even I don't even want to fucking think about that at this point. No, because... no rewords. <laughs> <laughs> We've gone through too many years of that. <laughs> yeah, right. So let's let's hope that they like that that this the the, the good the good times the good vibes continue, mm-hmm. and that they do they do they do get them locked up long term quickly. Because I think if it, the the way they're playing under under talking, and yeah, the, the shot totals in in game two. Um, were very lopsided for the Oilers, but they were a lot. A lot of them for, were from the outside. They did a good job containing the Oilers and, and keeping them to the outside and keeping uh, them from having too many high end scoring chances. Mm. So I think it's if if they can, they looks it looks like two games in. It looks like they've got the buy in that they need to play uh, on the defensive side, and it looks like they've got 
they're starting to find they've got chemistry. We know they've got chemistry with Kuzmenko and Petey. We know they've got chemistry with the Miller, Besser, and Phil Giuseppe line. And then if they can find it looks like they might have something with that fourth line too. And you add Bluger in there at, at some point as well. I think they're gonna find that's gonna happen. Hell, I was like almost 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 a little too calm about the pit penalty kill as well, <laughs> even against the Oilers. Like it was all the, the that penalty kill was almost uh, in, in in the first game was almost like okay we've got that under our belt let's go score some fucking goals yeah like it was like it you it, it's it, it's no longer this oh crap they took a penalty here comes a goal type mentality and that's man it, that's such a low bar but fuck it's refreshing. <laughs> and Oilers still got quite a few power play goals over the two games, but the percentage-wise for the Canucks was not nearly the embarrassing level it had been the past couple of years. Well, like you, again, when, you, when you're facing Oilers too, who have an, a historically really good power play, you're going to give them up. It doesn't matter how good your 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 penalty kill is, especially when Leon can score from those impossible angles. Yeah, they've got a. 72.7% penalty kill after those two games. Like, I swear, if this was last year, it'd be in the 30s. They'd be the Washington Capitals. Like, it's... the And, and, the, and the, the Oilers penalty kill is 55%. Because the Canucks power play was, was just as good. If not, well, actually, it was better than the Oilers power play in those two games. So they like get those going and you get the goaltending. I mean, still, I don't want to. I don't want to get. I don't want to put the the trolley in front of the horse and yeah. get too excited here. But like, well, this this sort of leads into the next thing. Like, you know, after two games now, I think more of the neutral party discussion about where the Canucks are at. And by neutral party, I mean you know the observers that are not Canucks or Oilers fans are, are willing to maybe start giving the Canucks a little bit more credit for, for their start. Uh, after the first game, it was really the, it seemed like, I mean, just while, you know, getting back to the hotel and watching the post game coverage on Sportsnet and TSN, it all seemed to be about, you know, how crappy the Oilers were and, and because there's, they're supposedly a Stanley cup contender. I mean, Sean, you and I talked about it. Why are we afraid of Edmonton? I mean, they still, they're still guilty of what I call the Edmontoning thing where there's just a lot of standing around watching, the other team and there's that there's just not uh this commitment to a full team effort and and then you know we fall behind and already in the first game there's the, there's mcdavid and dreisaitl thrown together on the same line and then when they were shut down that's it they they're, they're screwed basically um <laughs> uh but you know the canucks still have a, a lot of road trip left to go here and against some pretty strong teams there's florida and tampa in there they've got uh, nashville as well so uh, none of those teams are, in my opinion, slouches. So, uh, and then Philadelphia coming up right away here too. And um, I mean, is it ever easy going into Philly? No, and especially with this uh, this weird time as well. Yeah. Uh, did you want to just address that now? Or yeah. So yeah, it's the 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 Canucks and, and Flyers game was originally scheduled for the uh, your standard uh, seven o'clock Eastern start, so four p.m. in the in the Pacific. And, but they moved it up a, an hour uh, because the Phillies are in the NLCS in the in the baseball playoffs. 
So it's now a three o'clock Pacific start tomorrow on a yes. Tuesday in October. It just seems it's just weird, but I can understand why they're trying to do that. Yeah, but that's a control purposes in, in downtown Philly or where I don't know the proximity of the baseball stadium yeah. and the hockey arena, but I, I suppose I suppose it's some kind of logistical issue like that. I think so. Well, I, I know for sure that the the um, two or three of the uh, Philly um, stadiums are right beside each other. I do not know if the um, if the veteran stadium is that what they're still playing. Or did they get a new one? <laughs> you're, you're pulling an Al Michaels now. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Citizens Bank Park. Yes, the old one was the vet. Uh, veterans. Yes. <laughs> no, Citizens Bank Park. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I can I can barely keep up with like like all the like I can't keep up with all these stadiums. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just reading this now. Apparently, there's a Mexico Germany international friendly happening at Lincoln Financial Field where the Eagles also play um, that same night. So. Um, yeah, <laughs> and it's all yeah. They got Citizens Bank Park, Lincoln Financial Field, and the Wells Fargo Center, all within like a block. So yeah. it definitely is some crowd control there. <laughs> yeah, and this is Philadelphia we're talking about too. So mm -hmm. <laughs> when you've got when you've got uh, the Phillies going in the playoffs, it's gonna you know. Why are you scared of Philly's brotherly love? <laughs> <laughs> Have you watched the Phillies play in the postseason lately? <laughs> So yeah, it's yeah. Uh, so that so as, as much as like fans in BC, <laughs> yeah, right. As much and as much as that, like the Philly, the Philly, the Philadelphia Flyers are like would yeah, they'd be the the low the low team on the totem pole on this road trip. Yes, um, with that start, but they're still coming off of the. They're still a torch team, and they're on. Yeah, it's it's not going to be an easy game tomorrow. So, um, but yeah, and then uh, we'll be showing them video footage of our first two games and be like, we need to take them down a peg. Yeah. Yeah. Just make sure Torts does not make sure any, any shortcuts that Torts knows in, in the Wells Fargo center from his, 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 his locker room to the Canucks locker room. They've got they've got security guards, please. There's no corridors. <laughs> or at least locked doors. Yeah. <laughs> well, Rogers Arena now. I guess that corridor has been replaced by a VIP uh, premium seating uh, option now. So. <laughs> um, do you guys happen to catch that, by the way, on the telecast on Wednesday? How they're uh, the the people that have access to that can actually um, watch the Canucks players going to and from the dressing room. Oh, cool. I mean, there's not like couches, but I didn't see anyone yeah. in them. Yeah, you know when they just just keep an eye out for home games for that tunnel shot, um, not with people stacking up there with you know fighting each other. But um, <laughs> so from the Canucks bench going to their dressing room, and it's very you know it's a very fancy corridor, but they've got like a like kind of like um the fancy rope there now, and then the, the VIPs can. Yeah, basically like a lounge with a couple of couches, kind of. Yeah, I mean the like the Oilers, I think have this now. I know they used to have that at Rexall Place as well, their previous rink where the, the players would go past the the VIP um, section there, and it wasn't always positive. <laughs> that's the only it's the only catch with that. But uh, yeah, mm -hmm. that, that's, going uh, good is great. But when uh, you're on a losing streak, I imagine that's probably not a fun place uh, yeah, to walk past. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. 
I just, I, I, this isn't on the agenda. I just wanted to bring this up, though. Um, both teams on Wednesday played short a skater. Uh, wasn't the case on Saturday, but. Um, it was the first time it actually had ever happened in initial history where both teams were actually short due to cap reasons. On the first night? I mean, that's oh, where, the, that's where it is. There was, there was four or five teams that, that played short, including the, yeah, the, the Canucks and the, and the Oilers. The Sands yeah. played short as well. Um, but, like, you're able to call up a player cap with, like, with no no cap hit uh, as on an emergency basis after you played a, a, man, a man short for a game. So, Jack, the Canucks we'll have to think Jack this is on Marty Walsh and the radar of the, 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 the radar of Marty Walsh and the NHLPA here. I mean, that's like, <laughs> how can that be, right? Although I, know, I, I know lots of people have gone on about this and say, hey, the cap's the cap, but first night and you're playing short, that just, I mean, that's devaluing the product, isn't it? I mean, hopefully the fact that this is the last season of the flat cap before substantial jumps, hopefully this is basically something of the past at this point. But, uh, yeah, I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Yeah, like, and throw that one it's, one of, it's one of those things where, like, why, why isn't there some sort of mechanism within the, the CBA that allows them to, like, just have, like, name, like, two or three players at the beginning of the season that in an emergency can be called up, no, like, no cap hit just to play and they have to be making them within a certain amount like you between yeah. league minimum and say like 150 more than that and yeah. then like it's just you know when you're talking about a season opener it's a nationally televised game and and both teams are not able to put out a full roster it just seems it just doesn't seem right you know there's got to be a way that's better than that yeah. yeah like Sean was mentioning maybe something like where it's like your lowest salaried NHL contract player is allowed to come up without consequence or something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then also uh, what brought was brought up uh, again, and we talked about this last week, um, but uh, Elliot Freeman talked about it on Saturday. Um, some more Connor Garland trade speculation and more, more, more so on what the Canucks are looking for for him. It sounds like they've been trying to trade him. Well, they've been trying to trade him for basically since 2023 started, I think. And, yeah, and there hasn't really been much denial from his camp about that. And then as yeah. Elliot was reporting, it seems like the, the, his his representation is trying to help you know look for a potential. Well, he got a new, Garland got a new agent mm-hmm. now. Um, and then, yeah, they're trying to find 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 a spot that works. Canucks are trying to looking for ideally looking for a defenseman in return, as well as to clear about two million dollars in cap space. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like Columbus, Nashville, and Winnipeg, amongst others, are interested if the the they can find that right deal. So it's going to be. I don't. I don't expect this to this to this trade to happen in the next two three weeks. I expect it to be a little bit longer. I want. I expect the Canucks want to have McCabe back and know that he's fully healthy. Um, they want to have Susie back and know that he's fully healthy before they even think also about that. It needs to be a game time decision tomorrow. By the way, yeah, Susie is a game time decision tomorrow, and as per Talkit as well, they. There is a good chance that McKay plays on this road trip, but it's also like just 
who knows? Maybe Mikheyev coming in, Garland comes down, goes down and plays with Bolivier and and Pia Suter in on the third line, and that clicks. Then maybe they don't even think about that, and that trade request gets rescinded because they the good vibes continue. But I wouldn't be. I just don't see it being an imminent uh, move that's going to happen. A, we rarely see trades this early in the NHL season, and B, I just with the the current injury situation with the Canucks, I don't see them necessarily uh, look have it, having an urgency to make this happen. Although yeah. I would add that he his new agent is actually like the new power agent in the NHL, like. Just to name his biggest client, Connor McDavid. Mm-hmm. Yes, after Connor McDavid's old agent moved to become Connor McDavid's boss in <laughs> in, uh, in Edmonton, as uh, was it? Uh, this he, is not strange. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and then uh, yeah, I don't think he actually is the bottom. Like you got Ken Holland still there, and yeah. and all that, but he's been brought in as a, I think an analytics like assistant GM role. Can't remember exactly what it's what it is. No, but. actually, I think he's CEO, but he, there's layers of management between the CEO and then obviously CEO like, of the head coach. Yeah. 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 Okay. He's, yeah, but he's 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 up in the food chain though. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And so yeah, and then this. Uh, um, I, I've heard Jeff Merrick say this this agent's name a billion times since since this has happened. I just, and and Friedman as well, but I can't remember it. Um, but. Yeah, he's supposed to. They just they want to find him a new spot, which is, I mean, fair. It didn't it hasn't worked out here in Vancouver to the extent that everyone was hoping, and I don't think he's a. Uh, I don't think he's necessarily a talk it type guy. Mm-hmm. So if the Canucks are able to get uh, defensemen for him, and then maybe clear some cap space, or just even just get some flexibility on the cap, just a little bit more. That'll go a long way. And I think the Canucks are quite high on players like Neil Zaman, Jax Tidnika, um, let alone they still – I think they're going to take a longer approach with Pod Colson, but Hooglanders looked good as well. Um, they've got options on the wing. So – and they, I think they've got options on the wing that fit the role that they want this – they want – they want to have it in that, in that specific in, – in, in a third liner. And I don't think necessarily that Garland fits that. Also, at his price tag at just shy of five million is a little pricey for a third line winger as well. Exactly right. They've yeah, got... and in their context with with their cap situation, yeah, that's an area they can free up some space. And that was the that was pretty well their stated goal going into the off season is about freeing up cap space. And also, and Sean, if I looked it up, it's Judd Moldaver. Judd Moldaver. I was like, I. I was like, yeah, I knew it was M and almost like Mulder, but I couldn't quite figure it out. <laughs> there you go. I will say though, is uh, you know, know, knowing that information about uh, you know the, some some trade speculation, and he just uh, tucks in that pass from PD there to open the scoring on Wednesday. And I was like, yeah, of course, oh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> that play was just sick. Oh, oh, it was sexy. Like on it, like the. Like they had the they had what um, Drysaddle and McDavid on the pregame um, or yeah on the pregame like doing saucer passes and they kept adding when it was with a, a segment with Colby Armstrong and they kept adding like pads to 
to the to higher to make the barrier higher, and then they, and then PD's like, I'll do it in the game. <laughs> just lost that sauce pass, in and then yeah, I know I Garland doesn't get enough credit for how he received that and how silky smooth it was to the move to the back end, and just tuck it in. Because yeah. that just everyone was just so focused on how good that pass was from Pete. Oh, yeah, it was. But hey, uh, if, we're, I mean, if we're trying to move both Besser and or Garland, they both had monster game ones. <laughs> so Petey made that flip from the left wing uh, boards right around the blue line. Uh, we were sitting in that corner there, the same corner. So just seeing that whole play unfold, uh, the, mm. just a really decisive, crisp tape to tape pass from Garland to. On the get to start the give and go, and then you know, I mean, fancy version of it, and then he just goes hard to the net. PD flips it in there. I mean, that looked like they had uh, worked on that a few times in practice, <laughs> even though they probably haven't. Oh, it was so I just remember watching that, and a hey, Heidi, poor Heidi, remember got got a quick reminder on uh, how loud <laughs> I can get when uh, <laughs> when there's hockey that I care about on. <laughs> It was one of those uh, two TV nights in the uh, Holmes Smith uh, Stobert household. There, <laughs> yes, it was. There was two, there was two games on at once. <laughs> and guess which one had the volume? <laughs> <laughs> Can't deny that one. Yeah. Can I, can I go to bat for producer Heidi here? <laughs> <laughs> But uh, is there anything else on the Canucks that uh, we haven't talked about that uh, you want to get into? Oh, um, I mean, I already kind of addressed the in arena experience. It's always a little bit different. Uh, you know, I, I think there's always like three levels of, 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 of Canucks game experience. There's a Saturday night game, you know, and then there's a Saturday night against the Canadian team. And then there's, and then, well, any night against the Canadian team, Saturdays are obviously a little bit more juiced up. But then there's just your your run-of-the-mill weeknight game against a non-Canadian or non-original six opponent. This being a home opener and against the Canadian team, it you know it had a lot more energy um, to the experience. But uh, like you know, Canuck fans weren't weren't sitting on their hands waiting for something to happen. Like it was it, there was it was there. Like keep that going fans let's go here let's get, make make it a tough place to play in again you know let's get that entire <laughs> that intimidating environment i mean the doilers fans are getting run out of the building by the end of it and that's the way it should be yeah i mean as someone one of the few people and the first guy from our podcast that has actually seen the new scoreboard like i know photos make it look ginormous compared to the old one but like how impressive yeah. <laughs> is it in person doesn't do it justice i mean that thing is yeah like if you thought the old one was pretty big no <laughs> this thing's this thing's massive it's a little weird with the shape it's got that it's not they're, they're not flat-sided yeah, it's like a concave but towards yeah. the fans like a, almost like phones with a rounded screen sort of effect yeah no, while the play was going on um, down the sides, there would be the uh, shift length for all the players that are on. So one team on one side, one on the other, and then the the underneath panels were showing the same information, just in, laid out differently. Uh, but when they were like, but when there are other points like during promotions or or other other things, not during the play. The only thing I found a little bit weird about it sitting in the corner is that you can actually kind of see part of the the next side. So I would we were primarily seeing like the the side of the screen facing the the nets as opposed to the, the penalty box or the players benches, but you can still see around to the other side a little bit. So I found that a bit of an adjustment, but 
you know, other than that, it's, uh, it's big, it's crystal clear, it's very impressive, and there are panels underneath now, which is kind of standard for all these uh, these arenas now for uh, for the people that are sitting lower in the seating. I mean, loyal fan of the show, Dylan was talking in uh, our my uh, Facebook uh, group chat for my fantasy league that apparently he noticed when he went to a preseason game that they don't have uh, like power play and pen, like the like the per- penalized player up on this board that Did, was that? there that was oh, okay. there so i don't know maybe, maybe they were tweaking that during the preseason then yeah yeah no it's 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 there you kind of have to look for it. everything's kind of laid out a little differently than it used to be so it takes some getting used to if you if you go you know to see a game for the first time with a new setup fair enough all right yeah yeah yep well, that's awesome yeah it's nice, nice to tomorrow yeah <laughs> well um and then there's some some NHL news here that we got got to get into. We got uh, Abbotsford native Devin Devontae signing a seven-year deal with the Colorado Avalanche. I know uh, there was some, there was, there was always the hope that he would come home. <laughs> and I, they, they were gonna, they, I always felt they were gonna find a way to, to make that work. It's not, to me, it looks like the uh, the Abs went longer than they wanted to go with him because I think they got that 30, 30 year old. Um, uh, Sort of the eight that the the age issue there is uh, was definitely playing a part in it, and I think Devin Devontae's uh, uh, ended up um, going for signing for a little bit less just to get that get a couple extra years. So I think it's one of those deals that well, someone has both sides had to give up something to get a fair deal. Yeah, you know it's a good deal when both sides are upset at how much they had to give up. Yeah, I, 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 general manager Chris McFarland uh, had mentioned it. They wanted to have a deal done here at the start of the season. So they once they've reached the 11th hour, something has to give, looks like. I guess as Sean's uh, suggesting, a uh, little more term than, than the Avalanche would have liked, but that's that's negotiating for you. I mean, good for Devon Taves. Um, now he's been a very key piece of that, uh, that Colorado blue line, and uh, he's uh, locked up for the next seven years. Yeah, and he's, he doesn't have as many uh, NHL miles on him, so that kind of helps with the the, the fact that he is uh, 29 years old. But um, yeah, he's been him and him and Kale McCarr. Is there a better pairing in the NHL? Probably not currently. Yeah, yeah. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. So you have like you look at I think you look at if you're the Avs your Christmas party from the Avs you look at that and go okay we've won one cup how do we win more and even if we have to overpay and in, in term for for Devontae's, um how do we do it without him it's like a lot lot fucking harder right fifty points last season and played almost twenty six minutes a game during uh, the Avs uh, Stanley Cup run a couple of springs ago. And I, I mentioned the next seven years. It's a seven year extension, so eight including this season, just to clarify. So yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he'll be in a Colorado uniform here for a while. Yeah, and he wasn't a he wasn't a first round pick, so it's it's great to see that that type of success. Mm-hmm. And then another uh, another big deal that came came down this past this past week was Owen Power with the Buffalo Sabres. Them continuing to try and lock up their their core long term before they hit their stride. Um, so he's got uh, one year one more year left on his ELC, and then they signed him to an uh, 
a seven-year deal at $8.35 million. So they'll have, starting next season, they will have Rasmus Dahlin at $11 million and Owen Power at $8.35 million locked up long-term, along with Matthias Samuelson at uh, just a shade over four point two five. All right, Buffalo, make the playoffs now. <laughs> it's time. It's time. You're, spe- you're spending like a playoff team. Make it in there. I know this is coming from a Canuck watcher, but <laughs> I mean, like uh, a lot of long-term deals that they have yeah. locked up. So yeah, they've got Thompson long-term. Yeah, Tage Thompson and Dylan Cousins locked up long-term over seven million dollars per. And yeah, and they've got. They still have. They've got Jeff Skinner signed for another. Four, like four years, including this year, at nine million. So it's they've got it. Yeah, they, it's they need they need to they need to like yeah take that next step. Otherwise, they could they'll be similar to in, in similar spots to where Ottawa is, where they have signed again another team that signed a lot of their player their young players up to a long long term deals and haven't made made that uh, that step into the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, then we also have uh, the Winnipeg Jets um, surprising everyone and getting Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck signed to identical deals, getting them <laughs> getting them tied down to Winnipeg. And That's whenever we have relief for Jets fans, hey? Like, like the way it went last year, and, and I would think there was some concern, about, particularly Hellebuck maybe not being back, but... Um, yeah, well, it, it's inter- for, for me, it's interesting. I think I was expecting, I, I heard more rumblings about Hellebuck, like them make, making progress with Hellebuck. Um, because they just the, the golden market for a trade, like a return in a trade, is just not there, especially yeah. after this year when, like, initial, well, I guess sports in general is always more of a like just a copycat sort of like leagues. And, and ideas because you have um, with with this past year when you have the the Vegas Golden Knights winning the uh, the Stanley Cup with Aiden Hill as their starter, may, like, there's a lot of teams that may not want to be spending the assets and the cap on a true number one goalie. So, and I think. <laughs> Separating themselves, like the the Jets were a lot like the Flames and how they how it ended. It was there's a lot of of anger and hurt feelings, and unlike the Flames, they kept their coach. They did make one big trade. They made a bigger trade than the Flames did in trading Dubois and getting back Iafalo and Velarde, um, and Rasmus Kupari. So they got quantity back for a quality player. Um, but there was still questions on whether or not there was more coming down the pipeline for the, uh, the Jets in terms of um, changes and trades. And I thought that, yeah, with the, them wanting to turn out, maybe turn this roster over, I thought that maybe they, they would be looking at a March, a Mark Shifley trade. You have teams looking for number one centers, including the Boston Bruins who, lost Bergeron and Krejci and now have a bunch of third liners trying to fill that role. So it's, I thought that maybe they'd find a way, but no, they decide the re-sign them to eight, eight and a half 
times seven deals is, I think for Hellebuck, it makes a lot of sense. For Shifley, we'll see. But uh, it's definitely, de definitely rocks the uh, rock the landscape of what's available for teams going forwards. Yeah, and uh, props to Shuffle Dayoff because after that first round exit last season, I was convinced that that was going to be a fairly significant turnover in Winnipeg, especially considering the the uh, stigma of like no one wants to stay in Winnipeg sort of thing. So yeah, the fact that they yeah, were able was... to yeah hold on to as many guys as they did. Yeah. Impressive. So yeah. Props to shovel day off. Yeah. When I was referring to Jets fans feeling some relief over that, uh, that that's, you know, I mean, that's always in the back of their minds. I'm, I'm sure, you know, that, that fear like, Oh, you know, as soon as, as soon as there's some value for these guys, they're gone. Well, that, that, and when, when you look at how shovel day off has acquired players for the most part, he's acquired players with term on the deal. So then they can actually sell them on the, like you're here, make the best of it, and then hope that they fall. Like they're they they're willing to stay long term when their deal is up. They made it um, so last year. They made a trade for Nino Niederreiter, who had term left. There's a, and that's probably why they're actually interested in Con one of the big reasons why they're interested in Connor Garland is he's got three years left after this year on his contract, and there's more like they were able, which would be good for them because they're a, would, a less chance of them of him wanting to uh of them losing him especially for nothing yeah right so that's why it's i think that's why we're all a little surprised and and all that but it's also what how they've how they he shelled off as has acquired players i has got a year left after this year velarde has got a year left after this year um as is uh Rasmus Kupari. Like it's just the players that they've they've acquired for in these big big name deals have been players with term. Quick, so can, quick tangent question here. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Cheveldayoff, is he now the most is he the longest tenured general manager now in the league? He's, he's gotta be. If he's not, he's in the top two or three. I know Cooper is David the longest Boyle, right? goes, it, it, but as far as GM, uh, yeah. That, with David Boyle be. now uh, stepping aside from that role in, in Nashville, um, I, I would assume um, Kevin Chevel Dayoff's the guy. And, uh, you know, that, I guess that's that's kind of, you know, sort of raises an eyebrow for me too. I mean, I guess it's a bit of a statement on, on his security with with ownership there too that, you know, he's he's got the uh, – he still got full authority to make big commitments like that. He is the second most tenured GM in the league. Who's, who, who's the? Oh, come on, I should know who the other one is. <laughs> same, same division. Uh, is it the Blues manager? Yes, Doug Armstrong with the St. Yes. Louis Blues. Yes. Okay, there we go. <laughs> he was hired the, the in twenty ten. July July first, twenty ten, and Shovel Day Off was hired June eighth, twenty eleven. There you go. So yeah, coinciding with their move to Winnipeg from Atlanta. Yeah. Yep. Right on. All right, and then uh, I know Tyler Offer, you were moaning about this request. <laughs> but do you have any bold predictions for this upcoming season? Okay, I just I'm just going totally off the cuff. The Ottawa Senators will make it. There. <laughs> I said it. <laughs> some way, somehow. 
Thank you for joining me on the uh, Ottawa Senators Dark Horse fandom. <laughs> I hate predictions. I, you, I just, but you know, uh, I'm gonna. I, I don't. I hate one. I hate being one upped more. So <laughs> I will oblige you guys just just to appease you guys, and that's it. Well, I, 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 my bold prediction was that Tampa and Boston would miss the playoff. Will miss the playoffs, both of them. And for that to happen, I'm on that. I've got that would make the Ottawa in there as well. That's that's all. <laughs> and funny enough, mine was also tied into that in the sense that I said all three of those Eastern teams that have been pushing the playoff bubble, I said all three of them are making it this year. So, well, that just took it to the extreme. Yeah, you would need yeah. you would need one of Tampa and Boston realistically to fall off there, and probably even Florida or one of those more fringe teams. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, all right. And then uh, Chris. Yes. Do you actually have a one last question this week? Yes, I'm actually prepared this time. <laughs> Although it's a bit it's a bit cheeky, but with this start, and we've already said the Canucks are not going 82 and 0, but with this strong start so far, is this a flash in the pan? Or is this new identity with Rick Tockett and playing with the tenacity that Tockett played with, is this sustainable? Is this long-term or is this a flash in the pan? I'm going to say yes to that. I What I really stood out to me on Wednesday, and I didn't get to see as much of the game on Saturday, but uh, what stood out is how direct they're playing. There's a lot, a lot less screwing around with the puck. We talked last year, like we must have said puck management on this show how many times? <laughs> You know, I don't want to hear that term anymore. Right? That wasn't an issue in these first two games. Not well, not you know, not a glaring issue. I mean, it's never going to be perfect, but that that part really seemed to change. And Sam, I mean, Sam Lafferty, just as an example of that directness, uh, you know, he takes it to the net, gets an assist on a goal coming down, you know, after just really outworking the Oilers defenseman on Wednesday, and then he gets his own goal on Saturday with a very similar play, and. You know, how much of that have we seen from the Canucks in recent years? You know, I would say not much of that. That 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 work ethic and we, you know, the, the talk, it was, was hard on certain guys in public uh, but during the training camp and through the preseason. And it uh, looks like they've responded as a team. I mean, and after they hired Talkit, there was that whole media campaign of like structure, discipline and all that jazz. So they're, yeah. they're living up to it. Yeah. yeah, I think it. I think when you look at the high end skill that this team has, the goaltend in this team should have. Um, I don't think there's. It, it's 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 too early for me to get too excited, but I don't see a reason why this can't be sustainable if the buy in continues. Yeah, well, and yeah. success breeds more success, and uh, you know, having started this way against a strong team, I, I mean, if they're not buying in, what would it take for them to be buying in at this point? <laughs> right, and if if they can, yeah, the, the buy-in continues. You still, you, we're, I think we're seeing another level from PD. Is that we're, we're seeing his like, we're he's in his killer era. <laughs> we're gonna go, go into the whole Taylor Swift <laughs> thing right now. <laughs> this is PD's killer era. Like you see, like. He's all business. He was all, he was never really not all business, but I feel like it's even more so now. And then you're just seeing a, a maturity with, with Quinn Hughes now, which is allowing JT Miller just to be a bit of more of a loose cannon, which is fit, fit fits his game better. 
But he's when also he's at his best is when he gets yeah. to just be that. Like was it Tricidal Tricidal said it like sometimes it's good to get smacked. And, and then JT took it literally. And then, then yeah, JT took that literally, just, just ran him over that, that nice hit. Um Yeah, I just that and just trying to one up PD with his hit on CC. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're I think we are uh, there there's Definitely more hope now after watching him play against the Oilers. Um, if that buy-in continues, and with the high-end skill that they have at the at, at, to to score the goals, uh, yeah, I, I'll I'll, leave, I'll I'll say yeah, yes, it's it's sustainable. Um, they definitely need they definitely need to get healthier though. Um, Susie on the back end will help. With his size, physicality, and he's the player who's willing to eat shots. We saw that from Ian Cole, and that was something that this—I think—that bl the blue line lacked last year. They lacked the players who were willing to take, put their bodies on the line and eat shots. And that's why they were willing to actually spend all that money to buy out OEL because they knew that he wasn't going to buy into that style of system. You have, yeah, he wasn't able, wasn't willing to do that. So you got brought in Ian Cole, who's willing to do that. You've got Carson Soucy, who's willing to do that. Tyler Myers, for all his other faults, is willing to do that. <laughs> then even up front, you've got Teddy Bluger. Um, they went out and got Sam Lafferty. Jackson Meek is willing to do that. Like they have the players who are willing to do that now. And if that buy in continues and they continue to do that throughout the year, they've got the top end skill that can put them over the edge. And yeah, hopefully with this current road trip, like like we, we already talked about the fact that like Philly's not going to be a cakewalk, Nashville isn't either. But I'm hoping that with those two teams being relatively lower in the standings, generally speaking, and then both of the two stronger teams being currently decimated by some fairly significant injuries, the whole like pressure on having a good start to the season that they've struggled with the past couple of seasons, like I feel like with this road trip and the way it's trending, like if we could potentially have like a four, two road trip, that would be outstanding. Yeah. I mean, when I was on a couple of weeks ago, we we're just hoping for 500 through this, but uh, <laughs> yeah, now it's like, Oh yeah. It almost feels like it'd be disappointing if it wasn't a four and two road. trip. Even if they go 500, like the reigning four games, like they just split it. Yeah. It means they, they're, yeah, they're, they, Come home after six games to start the season with uh, yeah four and two, and then maybe you get a an OT point in there with one of those losses. And that's how, always how could you be wrong, right? Like you manage yeah. the losses too. If you can still get it to the overtime, you've managed the the, the standings somewhat in that regard. Jerry's Jerry's world. Gary's world. <laughs> Stealing an overdrive. <laughs> Gary's world. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Well, yeah. Well, um, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So, is there anything else? We need the one one last question. Is there anything we missed? Not that I can think of. No. All right. Well, how can I, how can we follow? How can we follow you? You can find me on X, formerly known as Twitter.com, at T Noble. T N O B L E. You can find me at most social media sites at Schneitz. You can. <laughs> I mean, it's on the screen. 
<laughs> for our audio listeners, or you got sure. yeah, listeners. for anyone listening to the podcast form, S C H N E I D Z. You can follow Devin. Wait, hold on. Did he put it back? It looks like he did. Damn it. What? <laughs> uh, well, according to X, it's now Gordon Howe's there night again. Maybe he got in trouble. <laughs> well, I, I, you know what? Did somebody, somebody actually would have reported him? I don't Where know. Us? <laughs> I, I just went to his profile. Yeah, it's back to the original handle. He's Gordhouse09 yeah. again. At Gordhouse09 on X. Oh, Devin, I don't know about that one. Like you, you, you step into it like that. You got to stick to your guns, bud. <laughs> we're gonna, next time we're on together, we'll have to have a word about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can follow uh, Kevin at K E V O L E on the social medias. You can follow me at Beardy Zero Three on the social medias. You can follow us at Shifts and Pucks on X, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. And we, I think, uh, we'll you'll we'll probably have another Flames podcast later in the week, and we'll be back uh, next week, early Monday or Tuesday, to talk about the Canucks again. So, if we don't see you on uh, later on this week, we'll see you next week. And thanks for tuning in. Bye for now. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.